Well, we move into a time of hearing God's Word. We have been in the same text for multiple weeks, and so week five of five of our stewardship campaign, we're going to be in John chapter six one more time. And perhaps you feel like we have, you know, beat this text into the ground. Uh, we've preached on it for four weeks now. Uh, why read it a fifth time? But I would encourage you as, as much as possible, don't, don't just let these words go in one ear and out the other. Allow yourself to hear them in a fresh way, perhaps for the first time, uh, for these words are good and words of life and have something to say to us today. So listen with me one last time for the word of God from John chapter 6. After this, Jesus went to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, also called the Sea of Tiberias. A large crowd kept following him because they saw the signs that he was doing for the sick. Jesus went up the mountain and sat down there with his disciples. Now the Passover, the festival of the Jews, was near. And when he looked up and saw a large crowd coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, Where are we to buy bread for these people to eat? He said this to test him, for he himself knew what he was going to do. Philip answered him, Six months' wages would not buy enough bread for each of them to get even a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There's a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they among so many people? Jesus said, Make the people sit down. Now there was a great deal of grass in the place, and so they sat down, about five thousand in all. Then Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated, so also the fish, as much as they wanted. When they were satisfied, he told his disciples, gather up the fragments left over, so that nothing may be lost. And so they gathered them up. And from the fragments of the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten, they filled twelve baskets. And when the people saw the sign that he had done, they began to say, This is indeed the prophet who is to come into the world. And when Jesus realized that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, he withdrew again to the mountain by himself. Friends, this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, I invite you to be in a spirit of prayer uh, with me and for me. Uh, Gary was scheduled to preach this morning, and so when I got the news early that he wasn't going to be here, we, we had to change some plans and move some things around. Uh, and so I, I'm going to be using Gary's notes <laughs> that he would have preached from today. Uh, I might add a few thoughts of myself, and we'll trust that with the presence of the Holy Spirit uh, that God will move um, in, in the proclaiming of God's Word. It's a good place to remind um, myself and all of us um, that without God's Spirit in this moment, my, my words don't mean much. <laughs> I have to continually remind myself of that, that, that it's only with God's help um, that, uh, that uh, we, we feel God's presence in this place. And so I invite you in that spirit uh, to pray with me. Gracious God, we give you thanks that 
there are always new and creative ways to remember that you can do a little with a lot. And so this morning, in many ways, kind of is like a five loaves and two fish moment. And we pray and we trust that you are active and present in this place. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts gathered here and online be acceptable in your sight. For you, God, are our rock, our strength, and our redeemer. Amen. So I have a couple questions that I want to ask today, and the first is, why do you follow Jesus? Why, why are you here today? Why are you tuning in online? Why do you follow church? It's, it's a good question, and one that might seem uh, maybe a little simple or elementary, but I think it's actually a really profound question. Uh, there are many different reasons for why we follow Jesus. Throughout history, uh, I'm afraid to say fear has been a major motivation. And if you look back to the historic revivals of old, particularly in the 18th and 19th uh, century when hundreds and thousands and millions of people were coming to faith in Christ in this country, uh, it's worth noting that a lot of them came to that faith through fear. For, for the messages that those revival preachers uh, were preaching were often one of hellfire and brimstone. That's not to discredit the faith of those people or the impact that those revivals had. But it's worth noting. Why do you follow Jesus? Is it, is it because you're afraid of what might happen if you don't? Do you follow Jesus because of the signs and wonders that he's done? Perhaps like the 5,000 who follows Jesus in our passage, you, you believe and you've seen that Jesus is a miracle worker and you have felt God's profound and moving presence in your life. And so you follow Jesus as a response to what God has done for you. Or maybe you follow Jesus just because it seems like the right thing to do. Uh, we live in a country where it's kind of assumed, at least in some parts of the country, that you are a Christian and that you go to church. And so coming to church or tuning in to church on Sunday mornings maybe just feels like the thing you ought to be doing as an American Christian. Why do you wear a mask if you wear a mask? Do you wear it because you fear the ridicule or perceived judgment that might happen if you don't? Do you wear a mask because it's expected of you? Or do you wear it because you think it makes you look good? And so when you walk into Dillon's and Walmart's, you want to be showing off your latest and greatest mask design? Maybe. I mean, I think I look pretty good in a mask, and I've had some that, that are really pretty cool. Or do you wear a mask because you care about others and want to do your small part to make things better and just feel like it might be the right thing to do? There are a lot of different reasons for why we do what we do. And unfortunately, I feel, I feel and perceive that fear is one of the big motivators for our decisions 
you know, it's easy to think that we uh, made the decision to move uh, or to, ha- to have a plan to move to online worship out of fear. You know, there's a lot of talk these days that we ought not to be living in fear, even though this coronavirus is deadly and scary and very real and very much spreading. We ought not to submit to fear. And I would agree to that, and I would encourage you that the decision that the ad board made is not a decision made out of fear. It's a decision to remember our call as Christians to be a part of the solution, to do as much good as we can and to do no harm, and to try to be a part of the solution. Because the why matters. The why matters a lot. Why did the crowd follow Jesus to the mountainside? This is another question. It's a good question. Did they follow because they were afraid of what might happen if they let this prophet go on without them? Did they follow because they saw the miracles that Jesus was doing and wanted a piece of that miracle power for themselves? Or were they following just because they were searching for truth? It's interesting to note that in the Gospel of John, he seems to be particularly concerned with this question of why. And if you read the Gospel of John, uh, you'll see time and time again, John taking the time to intentionally answer the why question. And in this passage here, John chapter 6, he tells us the answer to the why question. He says they were following Jesus because they saw the signs and wonders that he had done. They saw that he had healed the sick, and that signs of the wonders motivated them to follow. But in the passage right after the part that I read, just moving on, the story continues. And the next day, we see that Jesus, he goes up to the mountain by himself, and he comes back down. And the next day, the crowd continues to follow him, and he he addresses the crowd, and he says, I know why you are following me. And the reason that John gives for the crowd, following Jesus on the extra day, he says, you came after me because you got a free lunch yesterday. Which raises the question, do we sometimes follow Jesus because Jesus gives us what we want? (laughs) And when we get what we want, we're motivated to keep on following. It's not necessarily a bad reason, but... It could be a reason. John is preoccupied with the why question. The why matters for him, and that's why he tells us, and it makes us ask the question for ourselves today, why do we follow Jesus? And particularly on this Commitment Sunday, why do we give? Surely some people might give out of fear. I once heard a story about a man who was lying on his deathbed, uh, had not been to church for decades, uh, but on his deathbed he called the pastor uh, to come and to pray with him. And when the pastor came, he said, Pastor, I, I feel really sorry about this. I have not been to church for probably two decades, and I could probably count on one hand how many times I have prayed. But, but I have $10,000 here. If I give $10,000, would that be enough to get me into heaven? And the pastor says, well, I, I don't really know, but it'd be worth a try. <laughs> Fear. 
maybe motivated this man. Research shows that there are two primary reasons that people give to church. One is that they trust the leadership of the church. And two is because they believe in the mission of the church. And this, this is what we have been trying to articulate these past few weeks through, through the videos, through the board testimonies, that the mission of this church matters and is making a difference in folks' lives. And hopefully you have been encouraged and inspired that even in the midst of crazy times where we might not agree on a direction forward, that the mission of this community is worth investing in because God is moving in profound ways. Next, I want to just turn to the boy and ask, why did the boy give? Now, I have asked many a young child to share with me, whether it be a cookie or a piece of candy or, you know, something like this. And, and I find often that children uh, are not uh, so ready to share what they have. They, they, they maybe want to hold on to what they have. But I've also found that children oftentimes are a lot better at displaying faith and compassion and generosity than we adults are. Uh, at some point this week, Gary told me a story about a little girl who came to his office uh, one Tuesday morning years ago when he was serving at a different church. Um, and that Sunday before, he had gone before the church and um, asked for uh, folks to, to offer financial support for a family in the church that needed help making a down payment on a house. The family had been experiencing homelessness and had the money for the monthly payment but didn't have enough for the down payment, and so the call went out for help. And on Tuesday morning, a small girl, probably no more than eight or nine years old, came to the office with her mom and said, Gary, I have this bag of 20 quarters that came from my piggy bank, and I, I want to give it to this cause. So 20, uh, 20 quarters is about $5, which, you know, is a generous gift. It's not going to get you to 5000 but it is a generous gift. And when the girl left and Gary took the quarters to the financial secretary to be counted, he found that they actually weren't quarters, but they were dollars. <laughs> so the gift of $5 turned into the gift of $20. And the point of that story is that the girl, she didn't look to see if they were quarters or dollars. She emptied her piggy bank and said, this is what I have. This is what I can offer. I hope that it does some good. And that's exactly what this little boy does. He shares his five loaves and his two fish, and it's what he could do. It's what he could bring, and he brought it, trusting that it was the right thing to do. That even though it seemed like maybe not enough to make a difference, that maybe, just maybe, in the hands of God, a miracle could happen. Last question. Why does Jesus do the miracle? Does he do it because he wants to show off for the crowd, to show his power? Does he do it because he is afraid that the people won't like him or follow him if he doesn't give them what they need? 
Does he do it because he's afraid that God might be disappointed in him if he doesn't? Or does he do it just because he wants to get back at the Pharisees who seem to be on his case every time he does another miracle? If I had to guess, I would say it's none of those reasons. I would say Jesus did what he did because he saw that there was an obvious human need. And on that day, the gospel of grace and compassion and generosity was demonstrated to the faithful and the unfaithful alike in the crowd that they might have what they need and might come to believe and follow Jesus. The point of all of this, the point of our whole stewardship series is this. Jesus is the one who blesses and multiplies. The miracle of this passage is that Jesus multiplies what is given so that it blesses the multitudes. And when we partner in God's ministry through the church, we begin to see the ways that our gifts are multiplied in their impact. This is what this series has been all about, lifting up the ways that God moves in this community of faith to make a difference in people's lives. And like I said before, it's only possible because y'all are faithful and have been faithful. It's possible because of that, and more importantly, because God is faithful to bless and multiply what we bring. And this is good news. Thanks be to God. Amen.